Welcome to Awesome Movie Year, the podcast where we take a look back at an awesome year for movies, which is every year. My name is Josh Bell, and I am here in person with my co-host. Wow, amazing. What a world we live in, kind of. Uh, I'm Jason Harris, filmmaker, comedian, and you can email me at monster at nate.com. <laughs> And and this is a weirdly appropriate episode for us to be returning to uh, podcasting in person in studio with our producer, David Rosen, uh, released from our captivity. Yes. Because uh, this is a special bonus episode for our season on the films of 2003. And we are talking about Park Chan-wook's film, Old Boy, a movie that Jason, when we started this season... You were really eager to include this movie somewhere in our lineup. And so we're finally getting to it here in the bonus. And why was it so important to you to have this I movie? Think, I think because it is, uh, uh, it's still perennially on the tongue of pop cultural enthusiasts and film fans. You know, this is one of those movies. Like, here's an example, and I'm not comparing it to this movie, but something like Boondock Saints, which has like a huge following and is still talked about uh in such a beloved fashion i think it's got such a huge following that we um had to do it and it's kind of cool that it has such a huge following and it's a south korean movie as opposed to sometimes you know when we look at cult classics which this has gone beyond a cult classic at this point it's usually we're focused on american-made movies right this is a movie that definitely reached beyond the borders and became a big sensation here in the u.s uh, and remains so. Although weirdly, given how popular it still is, it was tough for us to watch this movie. It's not really available at the moment. It's not available to stream or to rent digitally. Uh, and the only DVD releases of it are out of print. So uh, shout out to uh, Chris Cranock, who maybe doesn't listen to this podcast, but uh, he better now. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he's listened to a couple. Of All episodes. right. Well, maybe he'll listen to this one. But, but uh, friend, friend of David Rosen and the podcast who uh, loaned us a DVD to watch. Well, Josh, you know what else is? Uh, it also fits great as a bonus episode for this season, because one of the themes we've come back to with movies like The Station Agent are uh, films finding their audience on dvd through video stores the last of the video stores hurrah right and i think this is a perfect example of something where you would go into a video store and like the guy behind the counter uh would be like dude you got to see this gnarly movie and everything you know right right this is certainly a movie that i mean i think it did get a theatrical release in the u.s but it would have been a limited thing and um it built that word of mouth through that limited release and through endorsements by people like Quentin Tarantino. And so people who may not have heard of this movie or might not have heard of Park Chan-wook would have gotten that, you know, word of mouth and would have rented it. I mean, that's certainly how I heard of it first um, through, I didn't see it in the theater, but, you know, through some sort of, uh, you know, the word of mouth or just reading an article or something like that. And it, it, definitely built its following like that. yeah and i'm sure this was like if you were in college at the time and you were able to procure the dvd this is like one that's going to make it all the way through uh room to room or watch parties or whatever this is that type of thing. right you would be like oh dude you got to watch this this movie is so crazy and that yeah. was definitely the reputation too it was not just this is a good movie this movie is insane you got to watch this insane movie a and it is <laughs> and and it is yeah um so but it did make some money not only in uh in korea but in the, in the worldwide box office it grossed 15 million dollars Total uh, on its budget of $3 million. Not bad, especially for a non-American uh, film, non-Hollywood film. Yeah, it did all right. In the, it did fine in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, for for something on this level, it did fine in the U.S. It did very well in South Korea, where it was popular. It was the fifth highest grossing film of 2003 in South Korea. Very popular there. And it went to the Cannes Film Festival in 2004, uh, where it won the Grand Prix, which is essentially second place. Um, from the jury that was headed up by Quentin Tarantino, who was a big supporter. Yeah, he pushed for it to win the uh, Palme d'Or. As you notice, Josh, when he speaks French, sounds so natural because he took French in high school. Yeah, mm -hmm. because 20 plus years ago, I took some classes. No, say we were talking about like the Barcelona Film Festival. Then I would be able to break out. You my nailed that, Spanish. Jason. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, my Castilian accent. <laughs> so. Very, very good. Josh, what won? 
Oh, I didn't look that up. I'll tell you what won the Palme d'Or. It was Michael Moore and uh, Fahrenheit 9-11. Oh, that's terrible. They should have given it to old boy. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, politics were in the air and uh, the expose of uh, Bush and weapons of mass destruction uh, took took home the big prize. Yeah, well, I don't look forward to our season on 2004 when we have to talk about that movie. That's just one movie, man. Come on, <laughs> come on dude. I mean, yeah, whatever. So, I will say that Old Boy is a better movie than that, I think. I, here's what I want to say about Old Boy, like right off the bat, no matter what you feel about it, is you mentioned it's $3 million budget. This dude makes it look like it's a $70 million budget. I think if whether you love it or hate it, like the uh, production value is incredible on this thing. Yeah, it looks amazing. And then the style of it is something I think that caught people's attention a lot. And as much as anything else, um, as much as the story, which is crazy or the acting, but just the visual style that Park Chan-wook brings that, that he then subsequently has brought to other films of his is really amazing. Yeah. And that was the other reason I wanted to cover it because of the influence of his style, his shooting style, his uh, aesthetic. You see it in a lot of different uh, films. And, you know, uh, a few years ago or last year or two years ago, whatever, when Parasite won. <laughs> Some, sometimes. Years, years run together right yeah. now, right? Like uh, when Parasite won Best Picture. I'm not saying this is a direct influence on that, but uh, these the South Korean filmmakers are very meticulous and uh, work really hard on just making shots count. And they, they're they're not only beautiful, but they they enhance the story. And I think you see that here as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even if this wasn't necessarily an influence on Parasite, I mean, the, the film industry there is not that big. You know, those those filmmakers certainly are familiar with each other, influence yeah. each other. If I'm not mistaken, he's one of the producers on uh, Snowpiercer. Yeah, exactly. So. Exactly. So both of those, Bong Joon-ho, they, they have worked together on on projects. Um, so when this did make it to a larger release in the U.S., critics here generally were positive, although this is a movie you're saying, oh, whether you love it or hate it, this is very much a love it or hate it movie. I feel like people either think this movie is brilliant or they think it's reprehensible. <laughs> so, And that's a mark of an interesting film. But for the most part, uh, critics were positive. Roger Ebert was a big fan. He said... Uh, Old Boy contains a tooth-pulling scene that makes Laurence Olivier's Nazi dentist in Marathon Man look like a healer. And there's a scene during which an octopus is definitely harmed during the making of the movie. (laughs) These scenes do not play for shock value, but are part of the whole. Yes, the ending is improbable in its complexity, but it is not impossible, and it is not unmotivated. Old Boy ventures to emotional extremes, but not without reason. We are so accustomed to, quote, thrillers that exist only as machines for creating diversion that it's a shock to find a movie in which the action, however violent, makes a statement and has a purpose. So, yes, violence with a purpose, and we've talked about that in a number of episodes. However, I do think Ebert's letting the ending off the hook a little because he is clearly a fan. He gave it four out of four stars. If this was something that he didn't buy into, he would be like, now, come on, Gene, now, come on, you know? So, Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, I think that that ending is preposterous. And when he says it's not impossible, he's wrong. It is, in fact, impossible. And that's okay. I don't think that's necessarily bad because you're right. If you're buying into the movie, if you're invested in it the whole time, if he's convinced you of this crazy world, then you'll go along with it through the ending. But if you're skeptical and you get to those twists, I can absolutely see people being like, that's the last straw. I'm out. I can't deal with yeah, this anymore. Yeah, I think you, you could probably, at a number of different points, but definitely at the huge reveal at yeah. the end, you know, that's, uh, that, that, that I think would definitely turn some people off and sadly turn some people on. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's maybe yeah. some... Uh, fetish uh subreddits director well we'll, let's let's move on from that (laughs) karina chicano in the los angeles times said hanging on a narrative as byzantine and distorted as a festering grudge the astonishingly visceral old boy plays like an extended adrenaline rush following a bad accident at once real and completely unreal Familiar and deeply strange, violent and comically absurd, South Korean director Park Chan-wook's fourth movie releases a torrent of imagery as fluid and shifting as a nightmare. As much as it's about anything recognizable, Old Boy is a story about the transformative power of hatred and revenge. 
It says something when you come out of a film as weird and fantastical as Old Boy and feel that you've experienced something truly authentic. I just don't know what. I can't think of anything to compare it to. And I mean, it's not like this movie is so unique that it's not been influenced by anything or doesn't compare to anything, but it certainly is a unique experience. I I thought of the Scott Teneman... Uh, episode of <laughs> South Park as one. Sure, you did. Yeah. I, I don't. Did that come before or after? I'm this? not sure, but that, that right was yeah. definitely one of those like uh, elaborate plots where you're messing with someone's familial ties the whole time. That is true. That I guess maybe an important legacy that we would not have otherwise considered. But Josh, we should mention this is based on a manga. Uh, yeah, know. a Japanese comic book series. Yeah, yes. By Garson uh, Tsushima, I think is how you pronounce his name. I didn't and, take Japanese in high school. so uh, <laughs> And illustrated by uh, Nobuaki Minigishu. Minigishi. Mini, Minigishi. Just, just, just sorry. Stop. Sorry, guy. I tried. Yeah. I'm trying to give you credit. But I am. I yeah. can't pronounce right. things. No, but that is true. And I think I, I read somewhere, and I wasn't in one of these reviews, but somewhere else, um, I think it was actually in reference to the remake, someone saying, oh, you know, Park Chan-wook gets so much credit here for this original vision. And it is, and I'm sure he deserves it, but it's not entirely that. It is an adaptation of something else. Yeah. To adapt that is not easy. That's where I think the credit Right, yeah, so. right. And something this insane, which I mean, I haven't read. I actually looked to see if it was available on uh, like Hoopla, the library uh, system to read digitally, and it's not. So I don't know how the story compares to the source material, but if it's even close to this crazy, then yeah, that's a difficult right. you, thing to do. You wouldn't necessarily read this and be like, yep, that's the movie. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> the one we got to do. And then, um, you know, we'll talk about it in the legacy, but the you are referring to the American remake by Spike Lee. Yes, that came in 2013. So not everyone liked it, but it's interesting. Like I, I was saying, I think even people who hate this are sort of like amazed by it. Uh, Lisa Schwartzbaum in Entertainment Weekly said, the brio and glee that Korean bad boy filmmaker Park Chan-wook brings to the gaudy psycho shockeroo old boy is undeniable, even impressive. It's the perverse hard-boiled ugliness of the story to which Park has applied his talents that alienates me. For you, results may vary. Old Boy caused a love-it-or-hate-it stir at Cannes last year, and how could it not? It's an onslaught made to cause a sensation. Consider me simultaneously jolted and depressed. And I, I mean... I think a lot of the criticism is that this is sort of like empty style. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think there are strong themes here. Yeah. And uh, as you had mentioned in the review before about uh, how far you'll go for revenge or for hate, you know, or something like that. But yeah, I didn't think it was empty at all. It's just uh, just so fantastical and uh, insane that I could, like we said, I can see people jumping off that snow piercer type train very early on you know <laughs> right i mean but you know it's certainly no uh more fantastical than say snow piercer <laughs> you know to just pick another uh film by a south korean filmmaker that's beloved and and, and acclaimed sure i think what it is is you know if we're going to go with that comparison right snow piercers all on the train and it's a very linear story in that regard whereas this one the first part and then the imprisonment of old day son right to um uh, when he gets out of prison old day sue yeah um it it changes a lot once he's out of prison so i could see that as being an initial jolt and then with those reveals towards the end that's another jolt you know so i can see where it's uh a little tougher to go along with that ride yeah i mean and and like you're saying before if you're not all in on it then it's going to, the crazier it gets, the more it's going to lose you. Instead of drawing you in more and making you think, wow, I was amazed and now I'm more right. amazed, it's going to be the opposite. Yeah, but you got to give this dude credit for going for it, man. So You do. I yes. also really like the word shakaroo. Yeah, that that was a, that's a good film critic made up word <laughs> yeah, right there. That's, that's great. <laughs> it, is, it is a shakaroo, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a shakaroo. Uh, this was my first time seeing it, actually. So yeah, Were you shakarooed? I was, but I not it. I know I would have liked it more if I had seen it during the initial run because it's tough to give you a shockeroo nowadays. Yeah, we've had so many shockeroos. The last year of our life has been one, one big shockeroo, shockeroo, <laughs> and sadly for many, an anti-mask shockeroo. Oh right? yeah. So, yeah. But um, 
but you could see like i could see especially if i was in the theater like i and uh, if i could see other people being turned off by this film i think that would have made me be like yeah i like this one not that i didn't like it i just thought like i was kind of in the middle i wasn't love or hate of it. right right yeah i didn't get a chance to see it in the theater i don't know if this played in a theater here in vegas if it got that level of release um but i did watch it at home I don't remember exactly when, because it didn't it didn't hit the US until 2005. And so at some point after that, I rented it and watched it at home. And so I was maybe in the middle of that kind of situation where I didn't get to see it, you know, early enough on to have that initial discovery experience. But it wasn't so well known yet that it was like, oh, I'm I'm jaded about this yeah. necessarily. Yeah. And that is not the fault of the film. I just think we've seen a lot like that in the last 15, 20 years. Right, yeah. right. That, that happens. When you saw it, when you went into the video store, did you say uh, to the guy behind the counter, do you have anything that will give me a good shockaroo? Well, I, I rented <laughs> it from Netflix, so I spoke to no one. Um, That's about right. For yeah. <laughs> and uh, and Dave, you, you and I watched this together, and yeah. this was your first time on it as well, right? Yeah, it was. And it's weird because it's one of those movies I was so sure I had seen because it was around my group of friends at this time as that crazy movie you have to see, like you guys were saying earlier. But once it started unfolding, I was like, oh, yeah, I've never seen this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's certainly not something that you would forget, right. I don't think. I mean, I didn't necessarily remember every beat of the plot, but I knew the crazy stuff yeah. that was coming. Sure. So any other uh, background you want to add on this film, Jason? Uh, let's see, Josh. There was also a Hindi remake that was going to be there was going to be a lawsuit over it because they never really credited or bought the rights to it. Um, but that never really happened. It's part of a trilogy, the Vengeance, the Vengeance trilogy. Right. Park Chan-wook's Vengeance trilogy. Have you ever seen the first or the third in that trilogy, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance or... Lady Vengeance. I've seen Lady Vengeance, which was the one that came after this. And I was going to try to maybe watch Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, which unlike Old Boy is available easily to watch in many places. Um, and I just didn't get around to it. But, um, you know, I've seen several of his other films yeah. as well. But uh, yeah, he's uh, he, he likes the vengeance. Those films are not they're They're just thematically related. They're not plot related. Sure. Uh, the only other cool thing I noted was that on the soundtrack, Every song is named after a film, and a lot of them are named after noir films, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, this is a sort of a noir in a weird, twisted way. And we haven't even really gotten to all the details of the plot here. If you haven't seen, of course, if you haven't seen this movie, just, just well, I guess it's tough to see, but I was going to say, just see it first. Watch it, and when we come back, we'll give our thoughts, which will contain shockaroo spoilers yeah, yeah. i was so. gonna say find a film nerd and ask him if you could borrow it from him most likely he has it. yeah we'll no. give out chris cranock's phone number <laughs> in a little go. bit <laughs> we'll come back and give our general thoughts on old boy welcome back to awesome movie year in this special bonus episode of our season on the films of 2003 we're talking about Park Chan-wook's Old Boy. And as we mentioned earlier, this is a movie that Jason was adamant that we needed to include in this season. So did it live up to your hopes for it? Um, I, it didn't underwhelm me. Uh, I didn't love it, like I said. Yeah, I stick with the decision. I think it was a really good decision to include this in the 2003 season. Not just because of what it is as a film, but because of what it meant as a film in 2003. Yeah, I mean, I'm not disagreeing with you. And I think I maybe liked it more than you did. And and this is one of those movies, even though, as I said, the first time I saw it, I, I, it, I wasn't so jaded about its existence that I lost something, but it definitely was hyped. And I think I was maybe like, oh, that's what it is, you know, a little bit. And now coming back to it a second time and not having those same expectations, I think I maybe liked it a little more. Sure. One thing that's tough for me in films, it either it either works really well or you're kind of like, man, that's a slog, is when there's a long explanation about a, a plot device or revenge, a plan that they've set up. And this was a really long explanation with flashbacks and uh, picture reveals. And I was just like, eh, I don't, I, that, that was not, while I enjoyed what the reveal turned out to be. I didn't think the way they revealed it 
was um, maximized to its potential. Yeah, I guess so. But I feel like the the reveals or the the explanation is so crazy that it's almost as insane watching that and seeing the dominoes fall of every new thing that is revealed about why Odessu was imprisoned and why he was released and what's been happening as it is watching the crazy violent scenes that are stylistically impressive. Yeah. And I, I'm really looking forward to talking about that, but here are the spoilers. Let's give them the plot, the little rundown. Josh. <laughs> can you summarize the plot of this movie? <laughs> Odess, uh, here's what I can say. He was uh, uh, somewhat of a drunk and a carouser and a wild man. Yeah, and, not a great father, not yeah. a great husband. And I don't know. Yeah, well, he must have been a carouser because at one point they said he slept with 250 women, right? So he ends up uh, one night after a drunken uh, stand in the uh, in the police department, which is a very great opening. I love that kind of jump cutty sequence and uh, what happens with him. He ends up just vanished. And then we see he's in a prison and he doesn't know how long he's there, why he's there or what's going on. And as we learn, this prison run by Mr. Park is a private prison where you can pay to have your enemies imprisoned or anyone imprisoned, right? And it looks like like a hotel almost, not like a prison. So yeah, much. he's got a room, he's got a shower, he's got a TV. He's just, but it's it is a prison, That's right? He all can't leave. Got. He yeah. can't leave. Yeah. So and he's in there for 15 years, and we see him go crazy and learn to accept it, and then train to fight and all this stuff. And then a woman hypnotizes him and then he's on top of a roof and he's out of the prison. Right. And this is a very concise. Uh, well, I mean, the, the, you, you can't get, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It's hard to just like give the, the beats yeah, of it. If you because, leave out the hypnotism, you leave right, out a right. Well, that's how the point. twist goes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now he is out and he's looking for the vengeance. He's looking for the vengeance. Yeah, yes. Which that was the original title. Yeah. yeah. So, um, uh, Right. He's looking for vengeance. Who imprisoned him? Why? And he uh, ends up at this uh, restaurant and uh, Mido, right? Is that uh, yes. her name? She's a, a younger woman, a sir, uh, either chef. a chef there. She's, she's like a female. famous chef. Right. She's, the, she's one of the great female chefs of Korea. Yes. Say. And she ends up taking him in uh, and like kind of helping him get his life together. But it's very weird sometimes because like he like she's on she's like in the bathroom and he goes and he like kisses her and she's like no you can't do that i am interested in you but you can't do that you know and then they develop this romance and there are all these like you know you have to find this guy then you have to find this guy then you have to find this guy type thing till we get to the big ending where we find out who imprisoned him and josh you get to take this part <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the the person who imprisoned him is a former schoolmate of his uh, and old boy, the title refers to sort of the like fight song of the school where they went to. They were the old boys. Yeah. And uh, Lee Woo Jin. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Odesu was, was, you know, he was kind of a dick back in the day. Who wasn't? And uh, mm -hmm. I, I guess, I mean, not enough to be uh, kidnapped and imprisoned <laughs> yeah. for yeah, 15 that, years. That would be a bit. That would be a bitch. Yeah. But uh, he he spied on uh, the Lee Woo Jin. Lee Woo Jin. And his He's, sister. He spied on him and his sister getting it on. Um, yeah. and then spread the word that that had happened, which was true. So, I mean, really, you can't entirely fault him. It's not like he spread false rumors. Yeah, I think Lee Woo Jin's thing is like you you caused her mind to break to the point where she believed she was pregnant. Right, right. So this this kind of drove her crazy as she was tormented because of it. She thought she was pregnant, which that was not true. And eventually she killed herself. She threw herself off a bridge. And so Lee Woo Jin has decided to get revenge for his sister. Uh, and to do so, he kidnaps Odesu, hypnotizes him, as we said, and imprisons also him for 15 imprisons years. him for 15 years, hypnotizes him so that it, he can wait 15 years so that Odesu's daughter is now grown up and has also been hypnotized. And that is Mido. Yeah. And that is the big, re big reveal that they have been hypnotized into having this relationship so that his revenge for his incestuous relationship being revealed is to kind of force Odesu into his right. own incestuous M Mido relationship. Mido and Odesu have a sex scene and it's like, you know, Mido's like, I'll do anything. I want to make you happy and this and that. And, um, you know, is what we think is a 
natural love story before we know that their relationship. Although, as you're saying, there's a lot of weird moments that you make me wonder what kind of love story is this? Yeah, they're well, and we find out they've yeah. both been hypnotized to fall for each other. And then, um, yeah, that happens. And then it just gets crazier. <laughs> like, <laughs> you would think that's the craziest part, but no, it gets crazier. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and uh, obviously this, this breaks Odesu, which is the point, you know, the revenge is successful in that yeah. sense. He's completely broken. He's begging. He doesn't want Mido to know. He cuts out his tongue so that he can't right. talk after, about it. After he promises to be a dog. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So he's really debasing himself. And, and Lee Woo-jin has gotten his revenge and thus satisfied uh, kills himself. Kills himself. Right. Yeah. And then Ode Su goes to see the hypnotist uh, in the snow. Yeah. <laughs> the snow. Yeah. yeah. The whole scene is a question of whether that is even really happening. Right. And, that, and then we can get to that, too. Um, and, you know, he wants he wants to be hypnotized to not remember who Mito is, uh, he wants to know who Mito is, but not that he, not their relationship. Right, so that right? they can have, and it's interesting that he asks for that so that they can have their romantic relationship rather than asking for sort of the romance to be erased, erased so they can have a father-daughter relationship. Yeah, also, yeah, the whole thing, and, and like you said, is <laughs> did it happen? Does he does he ask for it? Does it work? Right. You and know? there's that last shot with this expression on his face. And it's not clear. For, it would To me, at least looking at that, like if he's happy because he's blissfully unaware or if he's just kind of trying to convince himself that it's worked or it's 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 left ambiguous there. At the or end. is it or either way, is it that Mito doesn't? Know? Right. Well, she definitely doesn't know because he hasn't. No one right. has told her. Right. He's made sure that no one tells her. Yeah. Um, but he knows, and if he's going to try to go back to her and be in love with her with the knowledge that she's his daughter, that's not, he's going to be tortured for the rest of his life. Dave, what did you think when this all unfolded? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was completely a fucked up ending that just goes as far as can possibly go with its, you know, its conceit of this incestuous relationship and getting revenge for that with another one. And uh, I, I, I love the ending. I just think it, it's, it's one of those endings... Not too dissimilar from another movie we talked about, Paris, Texas, where it's like as it's unfolding the explanation for why this has all happened, you're just like, holy shit, like <laughs> this is nuts, you know? I think it's more nuts than Paris, Texas. I think so oh, it's too, definitely more nuts. Yeah. Not, not, I don't think anything is uh, more nuts than this. <laughs> well, I think Park San Wook has tried. Yeah, this might be the most, if uh, we'd re you'd really have to think about like, what is a more nuts ending? Than yeah. This? Yeah. But I mean, I feel like that we've now gone through the whole plot, but maybe now we should sort of backtrack and, you know, talk yeah. about what, what we liked about, you know, the, the earlier parts of the film, what stood out to you. Yeah. This, I mean, in the prison, I thought all the stylization in the prison was great. That, uh, I mean, you know, what it's most famous for is that single take fight sequence, which is jaw dropping, right? That was one that, uh, took 17 takes three days they filmed this whole beautiful tracking shot moving back and forth with Ode Sue and he's fighting like 20 30 thugs right it's an incredible like you know master shot right so um and yeah I like the style the whole time the story kind of up and down just depended where we were and uh, you know so, yeah so that's kind of where I'm at with it so yeah and, and the whole thing where in the apartment where he finally does get to uh uh, Lee Woo Jin. I kind of felt that was a letdown of the momentum. Although I was incredibly impressed with Lee Woo Jin, played by uh, Yu Jite. Uh, that yoga pose he does is, looks so difficult. So <laughs> yeah, I mean, he certainly has has put his time to use in his own way. And speaking of his apartment, I mean, again, this is kind of toward the end, but. What an amazing apartment that dude lives in yeah. with the weird like shower in the middle. That's like a cube that opens and the, his closet is also that and has got like canals Ponds, in it. Yeah. And yeah, was, I mean, I'm sure it's not real, a, a real apartment, but yeah. yeah, that guy's done well for himself. He has. Yeah. We yeah, don't other than, you know, sexing his sister. And, yeah. And also like, you know, the thing is. Did she, she did kill herself, but he did have a hold of her. Right. You know, he kind of, you wonder, go. yeah, he yeah. let go to some, to some degree. And, and we can say he's done well for himself because he's obviously very wealthy and he has this fancy apartment and all these minions, but he's spent the last 15 years 
as tormented as Odesu has right. with his 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 con- being consumed with this yes. revenge. See, Dave, Odesu was in an actual prison, whereas uh, the other character was in the prison of his mind. Thanks, Jason. Yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, that's I think that's one of the central themes here, and 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 we realize that, of course, that he you know he gets his revenge and he succeeds. You know, so many revenge mm-hmm. movies are about an attempt to get revenge that fails, but he gets exactly what he wanted. And there's nothing left in his life. He just immediately kills himself. He does go too far, though, with this revenge. Like, you know, he, I get it. Like, telling people that... <laughs> I get it. I get it. You had sex with your sister. You this wouldn't want people you, to know. Right. That's not something you want publicized. Josh, you have a sister. Let's let's just stop right there. Let's just... Don't don't speak anymore. <laughs> but, but, I mean, he he did... Like you said, he told people, but... He wasn't lying, you know, so right. he didn't start a mean rumor. He just started a truth. Rumor. Right. Not even a rumor. It's, yeah. it's the truth. He just yeah. gossiped about something that was true. Yeah. Hey, guys, guess what I saw? <laughs> hey, fellow old boys, guess what I just saw? <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. But no, I mean, all I mean is that, like, yes, obviously he went very too far, but his plan worked. Everything that he planned to do, he succeeded at was the point. Yeah. I mean, think of how meticulous you have to be to imprison a man for 15 years get a hypnotist to sign on to this plan like how's that conversation go is she just like paid her a lot of money presumably yeah i mean you know as a hypnotist though do you it's a challenge not like you have hipaa but you think you have some type of (laughs) oath maybe not the hippocratic oath right right right. most hypnotists are are ethical you know we wouldn't expect uh anthony cools to be doing this maybe now (laughs) anthony cools a las vegas fame famous hypnotist who and anti-masker who just lost his, <laughs> oh, is he? Oh, well. uh, his show uh, just got canceled right. uh, by Caesar. So maybe, maybe he, he's open know. to it now. Yeah. Maybe, maybe if you want to make someone incest, their family member call Anthony cool. <laughs> a gig is a gig. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was just saying that like, maybe most people are ethical on this, but uh, you know, the other thing about it is like, it's one thing to hypnotize someone to like act like a chicken, but to hypnotize them, <laughs> for like a period of years to fall in love with their daughter. Like that's gotta be a challenge as a hypnotist. You might be like, you know what? I'd like to see if I can do this just to see yeah, if it's possible. You're right. But imagine making that happen and making him act like a chicken. at the same I mean, he does act like a dog, as you pointed out. That would be another way to remake this in the American remake, uh, which I did not watch. They could have been in Vegas and they could have brought these two on stage. And like, you know, when I snap my fingers, you two will have sex with each other. And when I snap my fingers again, you'll snap out of it and, and realize you're having sex with each other, even though you're father and daughter. They, they should add that to the Vegas uh, <laughs> stage hypnotist show. Anthony Cools, I think we just pitched your Yeah, show. I mean, maybe if he had done that, his show wouldn't have gotten canceled. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, obviously it's ridiculous. And I don't think this is really possible via hypnotism, even with the most talented hypnotist. I'm going to lay off because I haven't studied it enough. To yeah. Know. OK. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's probably not something that they're going to like try to see if it works just to, you know, find yeah, was out. any like budding hypnotist inspired by this? I hope like, not. Jesus. I really should give this a try. Yeah. Well, we were talking about the fetish aspect and that might go along with it. But let's let's move on. Josh, what was the most unsettling part for you? Was it the incest the cutting your own tongue out or the aforementioned uh the teeth being pulled out by a hammer uh that looked very painful it did i think the cutting of the tongue is the the, the thing that i'm like most, most viscerally like recoiling yeah. and you think of it happening to you but i mean that's that's one thing this movie does really well is that it it's it's very visceral as i think yeah, one of those the right word yeah and and when that stuff happens you're like ah you know it really gets you i mean there's seen the, one of the more famous scenes here of course of odesu eating the live octopus and uh i mean that's not even gory but just watching him like chomp down on that yeah and you know and that's early in the movie right after he's been released and he walks into that restaurant and he says to mito i want to eat something alive or something like and you know like that's you're like this is a hardcore movie you know yeah and this is a hardcore guy you know I, get, I mean that makes sense to me at that point in time with where he's at and you know i mean as he mentions those those fried dumplings only go take yeah so eating far. dumplings for 15 years right right and no i mean i think that's good but i think it gives you a real sense of what kind of movie this is and what kind of person it he is and how sort of grimly determined he's going to be for the rest of the movie yeah. to to get his 
revenge. Right. And it's that type of thing that makes him feel anything. Right. 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 Because he's just been sort of numbed as he's been in this prison all this time. And he's got those scars on his knuckles from punching the wall so much. And, you know, he can barely feel anything. One thing I liked that I I think I kind of forgot about is this movie is also like funny in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I enjoyed that, especially the beginning. The movie opens with this sort of flash forward of Odesu on the roof where he's released. And there's this random guy who's about to jump. And uh, he's grabbed this guy and stopped him from jumping and says, I'm going to tell you my story. And then we flash back and see his whole, uh, the history of him being imprisoned. And I thought his whole interaction with that guy is funny because he tells the guy this insane story of his own life. Right. And then he kind of feels better. It seems like, or he feels like he's cleared his head and he's got purpose. And then he's like, okay. And the guy's like, now let me tell you why I want to kill myself. And he just walks away. And then he's walking, he just leaves this guy there. And as he's walking out of the building, you see the guy who decided to jump and he just falls off the building right onto a car. The shot of Odesu holding the guy, stopping him from, jumping off the building is mimicked by the flashback with uh, Lee Woo Jin holding on to his sister, trying to get her not to uh, jump off the bridge. Right. Right. Um, Which isn't funny, but it's no, that isn't, but, but I just thought that was, and that's like, you know, fairly early in the film and, and just like him asking to eat something alive, his clear disregard for this poor suicidal guy is also gives you a sense of how sort of, single-minded he's become that he just wants to unburden himself of his story and once he's done that he doesn't care what happened to this guy he doesn't care if this guy jumps off a roof this guy's life means nothing to him meh exactly that's how he feels right so i mean that's that's how it goes sometimes (laughs) (laughs) sometimes some crazy guy emerges from a box Tells you an insane story and then you jump off a roof. That's so, just sometimes what happens. I mean, what, what would you eat the first time after 15 years other than a live octopus? Would it be a, to be alive? A, a Pops cheesesteak? Well, would it be? Would it be alive? I mean, I like pizza. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Food. yeah. What, what about you? I, I honestly, pizza is that's a good choice. I think yeah. I'd go with that too. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that or a burger. Yeah. You know? yeah. That, used, that used to be alive. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's true. So, um, wouldn't so, work as well if Odesu ate pizza though. Uh, Josh, I wanted to mention Chung Chung Hoon, who's the director of photography. Pretty masterful here. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's it's beautiful, as you're saying. And not only that, like single take tracking shot with him fighting all those guys, but everything in this movie yeah. is just very very beautiful, meticulous. Yeah, and like I said, the setups, the style adds to the story as opposed to takes away from it. And then we got to at least uh, we mentioned Ode Su so much. Choi Min Sik is the actor who. Um, uh, you know, when you talk about, uh, like the De Niro's and the guys, like imagine doing this character and then having to like go back to normal life. after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is an intense role and he's great in it. And, and I mean, just as anything else, as we're saying, like this movie is so crazy that you need to buy into it yeah. in yeah. order to like it. If he doesn't commit, then there's no movie. Right. And he does. And he shows you that evolution. You see, you're talking about that first scene where, where Odesu is just this kind of like drunk idiot in the police station and the evolution of him as a character over the course of him being imprisoned and over the course of his then quest for revenge, as he goes through all these emotions and this intensity, there's a huge journey there that he really brings you on. Yeah. So should we rate this thing? Uh, yeah. Do you oh, wanna... let's do it out of five live octopi. I was just going to say that. So right. we're, we're on the same wavelength here. Yeah. It got three from me right down the middle. Didn't love it. Didn't dislike it at all. Glad I watched it. Um, I know people are going to be out there like only three. Go to a hypnotist. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe you should go to a hypnotist and hypnotize yourself into liking this movie. Well, I'm glad I watched it and I uh, maintain its worth in our season. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad we we watched it and we talked about it. I'd seen it before, like I said. Um, I, I maybe liked it a little. I think I maybe gave it a three out of five the first time. I'm going to bump it up to three and a half. I think I could just appreciate the style uh, and the acting and sort of those elements more this time because I knew sure. what was coming yeah. rather than just being on the edge of my seat like, what, what, what? So, um, but yeah, I think this is a great movie. And I think also it's a shame that it's unavailable because people should be able to see this. And I don't know what the deal is with that. 
if the rights are tied up or what, but somebody should get on that and put it out there. Yeah. Uh, Dave, before you rate it, I just want to say uh, one thing, because we mentioned Snowpiercer and Parasite and Bong, when he won the uh, Oscar, uh, had said one one really uh, insightful thing, maybe many insightful <laughs> things, but one was he said, you know, because they talked about how maybe a lot of Americans don't go for foreign films. And he said, you can just get past that one inch barrier. There's a whole world of amazing film out there. And uh, that uh, you should never let subtitles uh, deter you from watching a movie. This was our first bonus episode we did on a foreign film. And like, it just makes you want to watch more South Korean cinema at this point. Yeah, and that's great. I would definitely recommend if you can't see this, see other Park Chan-wook movies, see other South Korean movies. There's tons of great stuff. So. Dave, how many octopi do you want to rate this? I'm going with four, guys. All I, right. I loved it. Just so fucked up. And I mean, that subway fight alone was just Yeah, classic. that's incredible. Yeah. Um, you would put that on a highlight reel of anything uh, in film history as like, hey, here's an example of the power of the medium. Yeah, I mean, and certainly as much as Park Chan-wook has done great stuff, that is certainly like one of the great things that he'll always be remembered for. Um, but we'll talk more about other things he might be remembered for in a moment when we get to the legacy of Old Boy. Welcome back to Awesome Movie Year in this special bonus episode of our season on the films of 2003. We have been talking about Park Chan-wook's totally insane film, Old Boy. And as far as the legacy, we've talked about this a bit, you know, the way that this movie kind of made its way to the U.S. and built this word of mouth and this critical acclaim, and I think was one of the earliest South Korean movies to really break big here. And I think in a lot of ways, this movie opened the floodgates for more of those leading all the way up to Parasite winning Best Picture. Yeah, I think you're right, Josh. And um, now, as you said, the floodgates are open. So keep bringing them over and keep watching them, people. Yeah, there's tons. Do you have any other uh, favorites, Jason, South Korean films? I mean, I think I like Snowpiercer better than Parasite. Snowpiercer is probably my favorite one, to be honest with you. Yeah, so. yeah. Bong Joon-ho, hugely talented um, I, I like Park Chan-wook a lot. Uh, I've seen quite a few of his other films. Um, as far as uh, his Korean films, uh, I love The Handmaiden. Is another movie with insane twists it, it, that it just piles one on the other. And you get to the, I think, like the middle of the movie and you're like, oh, this is the twist. And But no, there's like 10 more <laughs> that's twists. That's good. Maybe yeah. Dave and I will watch that one. Yeah, that's a great movie. That's a, I think that's an Amazon original here in the US. So very easy to watch. Uh, I also like Thirst a lot, his uh, vampire movie that he made in 2009. Well, you, you said out of uh, uh, Korean language films, dude, Stoker, his English language debut. That's a great movie. And then yeah. again, another uh, mental uh, um, a mind game, shall we call it? So. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. I think Stoker is great. And he's he's been working both in English and Korean over the last few years. He uh, directed The Little Drummer Girl, which is a spy miniseries, John le Carre series. Oh, yeah. I'm totally going to watch it. I, as as you've, you friends here know, I uh, love uh, like British limited series, which is kind of what that is. Right? Yeah, it's limited. It's not. It has some British people in it. So it was it was good. I think I, I, I hoped for more yeah. from something like that directed by Park Chan-wook. It's a little more straightforward than I was hoping for. But Florence Pugh is really good as the, the lead in that. So. Yeah. And he has another Korean film, I think, that's finished, uh, that's on the way, and also recently signed for another English language miniseries. Yeah, the so it's called Decision to Leave, which is the movie that's done. And The Sympathizer, which is an adaptation of a book, sounds really interesting. As far as what I read, it's about a uh, North Korean who implants himself in a South Korean community in the U.S. and is kind of telling that story, um, you know. So that that's that sounds great. Like uh, uh, that's uh, going to be an A twenty four limited series, I think. Yeah, I hope that's good, and I hope maybe he brings more of his style to it than he brought to the Little Drummer Girl, which again is decent, but it doesn't feel like his vision right. as much as opposed to Stoker, which is totally off. yeah, yeah. I mean, and even though he didn't write Stoker, I mean, it seemed like he brought more to it. Yeah, something interesting about that is he used a translator on the set, so that's pretty interesting that he was able to. Uh, capture whatever emotion that he thought he needed from the actors um, without understanding the words. Yeah. And I wonder about that if over time, now that he's worked on more of these English language projects, if he speaks English better, because I think sometimes that's, I, I do think Stoker is great, but if there's that barrier to sort of communicating with your collaborators, yeah. it makes it more difficult. In any language. Yeah, of course. absolutely. 
Yeah, and then we mentioned the remake. The two remakes. Yes. Hindi, which none of us have seen. No, and I was looking, that actually is available on Amazon Prime. I assumed it was not here in the US, but it is. It's called Zinda. And yeah, it was funny, you know, because as you said, there, there was a lawsuit because it wasn't an official remake. And I kind of, I read that and then the lawsuit was dismissed or it was dropped. And I thought, oh, maybe it wasn't very similar. And then I went to Wikipedia and read the plot summary and it is the exact same I think the plot. company that made Zinda went out of business. So there was no way to continue the lawsuit. Okay, so. but it's still available. Like somebody's making money off of it. Josh, uh, as you know, from our 1989 bonus episode, Do the Right Thing, I'm a huge Spike Lee fan. I think we're all Spike Lee fans. You watched this remake, correct? I did, yeah. And this... You know, it's weird because it has such a bad reputation in in sort of two ways. One, as like a bad remake of this movie that people love of Old Boy. And also, I think it's usually regarded as Spike Lee's worst film. Mm. Um, and so I expected it to just be horrible. And it's not that bad. I think that's about the best that I can say for it. It doesn't feel like a Spike Lee movie in any way. It feels like a generic kind of Hollywood take on this story. And it follows the plot pretty faithfully it changes a couple things at the end uh it stars josh brolin as the uh odessu character joe Doucette, which they try to they try to get to like cadence of that because yeah. one thing we didn't mention <laughs> in in old boy they say odessu like constantly yeah. um so joe Doucette um and uh elizabeth olsen as his uh daughter that he has sex with so and they keep that aspect it's weird they keep that aspect the sort of incest aspect, but they get rid of the hypnotism. Hmm. So it's just like the circumstances have been engineered for them to hook up. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. And it's also weird because like Spike Lee tries, he recreates that fight scene. He does it in a single take in a slightly different way. And I feel like if you'd never seen the original, you might be like, oh, this is cool. But having seen the original, watching that scene, it's just like, he's going through the motions you know well we talked about one of those uh shots in do the right thing where he's traversing the street and he's going from character to character in a single take so if anyone can do it it's him right but you know what's what's interesting about your take on that is i think some of uh, I, look he's in a, a hot streak right now he's in a great groove with what he's been putting out but there was a time where like some of his originals i felt like kind of uh weren't as good as like his earlier stuff but his director for higher work was incredible in like the nineties and there are two thousands between like clockers and inside man and stuff. So this would seem like uh, a good fit for him, but maybe it just is a bad idea when something's so crazy. Maybe you just got to leave it and just like either watch it or you don't, but we don't need to Americanize or, or uh, make a Bollywood version of it. Right. Know? Right. I mean, and I don't know like how one would, approach that Spike Lee version if you've never seen the original or aren't familiar with the original, if you would find the plot twists as crazy and as engrossing, if you would buy into it. I like Josh Brolin. I feel like he doesn't give the level of performance that Choi Min-sik does to, to really immerse you in it. Charlotte Copley plays the villain and it's terrible, but in a very amusing way, which I think is the best you can say for him in any movie because he's a terrible actor. Um, but he puts on this weird, like, like uh, Christopher Lee accent almost like he's, he's like British upper class for no reason that is ever explained in the movie um, and dresses kind of like a vampire. And so when he comes in, it's amusing in this sort of campy way. Yeah. Um, and Samuel L. Jackson, who plays the, the guy who runs the prison is also clearly just kind of hamming it up. And so they're kind of amusing, but the the more serious aspects of the story don't really work. Uh, I mean, to me, I would watch it only if I was like, I need to be a completist for the Spike Lee catalog. Right. And I think that's mostly why anyone is watching it, because people love Spike Lee and he's so prolific. I mean, there's so many movies of his and this is probably at the bottom of the list. But if you're going to watch them all, then, you know, people get around to it. Yeah, I think I would if that was the case. Yeah, but I can't really recommend it. Um, Choi Min-sik uh, is a huge star in South Korea. He's, you know, the biggest name in this film and he continues to work there. Um, he was in the American film Lucy, 
with yeah. Scarlett Johansson, but otherwise just, well, you know, works in Korea. And, and why should he be in an American movie? He doesn't need to be. That was all right, wasn't it, Lucy? Yeah, I don't, the, just Luke, eh. the, the Luke Besson movie where she has like superpowers yeah. for some reason. Yeah, I feel like it was, eh, yeah, like, all right. But. So uh, anything else you want to uh, add about the legacy of this film, Jason? Josh, I think we covered this and uh, I'm good on this one. Oh, I do want to say, did you know who was so originally supposed to remake it in uh, the English language? Oh, I saw it. it's Steven Spielberg, which is an even weirder choice than Spike Lee. Starring? Will Smith. Yeah, which doesn't seem like either one would make the choice to be a part of that. No, no. And as, as misguided as the version is that we got, I feel like that could have even been worse. Especially if Will Smith cast Willow Smith. <laughs> oh, <laughs> let's just, no more, no more. That's end of episode, end of episode. So that's Old Boy, and that is this episode of Awesome Movie Year. Check us out on social media. We're on social media. Like I said, you can email us at monsteratnate.com. Reference to the film there, Josh. Uh, I'm Jason Harris Comedy at uh, Facebook and Instagram. Jay Harris Comedy on Twitter. Go for Jason.com. Uh, looks like it belongs in one of those old internet cafes like you're an old boy. Uh, we're at awesomemovieyear.com, awesomemovieyear on Facebook and Instagram, awesomemoviepod on Twitter. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this cool season. We had fun. We did. Uh, I'm at joshbellhateseverything.com, where I think you can maybe find something I wrote about old boy like 15 years ago. So that's fun. It's the last entry in the website. Yeah, no, there's a, it's been, a, it's, it's only been like three or four months since I ever put something there, but you can find more recent content from me on social media at Josh Bell hates everything on Facebook and at signal bleed on Twitter. And you can listen to our producer, David Rosen's awesome podcast, piecing it together. Check out piecing it together, wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at piecing pod. And if you're listening to this on Patreon, all one to four of you, maybe something like that. What? Go up one from there. Oh, all right. Uh, well, the small but dedicated uh, following there, we very much appreciate it. And uh, if you're not, if you're listening to this later on, check out the Patreon where we will have other bonus content from Awesome Movie Year, as well as from Piecing It Together and Dave's awesome music career. That is patreon.com slash... By David Rosen. By David Rosen. Should be for David Rosen because you and I don't see any money from it. <laughs> I don't know if anyone sees any money yeah, from it. True. It all goes back to Patreon, I think. <laughs> it's a scam, really. Um, but thank you to everyone who has signed up for that. Uh, we do appreciate the support. And uh, thanks to Chris Cranock for giving us the movie. And Dave's cat for making this incredibly difficult during this podcast, our first Can't time back to together. Edit. Yeah, and just <laughs> running around the room and knocking stuff over. And we missed that, me. didn't yeah, we? That was nice. Yeah. So uh, check out uh, if you've been listening, we have our new season going on the films of 1967. Give that a listen. And thanks for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Thank you for listening to Awesome Movie Year. Make sure to follow Awesome Movie Year on Facebook, at Awesome Movie Pod on Twitter, and at Awesome Movie Year on Instagram. And if you like the show, review us and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. An All Points West production, produced by David Rosen in Las Vegas.